Hello, everyone out there. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Downtown Manon Podcast. I am Dustin Buke, your regular co-host, and today, unfortunately, Becca is not on the podcast with me, but because we have this spectacular podcast run for the Downtown Menominee organization, I have another board member, Jeff Frawley, here with me. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Yep. Um, so, Jeff, since you'll probably be uh, probably going forward the substitute co-host, if Becca and I can't make a podcast, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, and um, oh, you know why you're involved down downtown. Yeah. So, my name's Jeff Frawley. Uh, I live in Menominee. I actually grew up here, so I'm local. And I left for a few years. I uh, went to the army, and then I came back. And my wife and I uh, bought a building on Main Street, right next to the Silver Dollar, and we opened up a Stilo Salon downtown Menominee. And then, uh, when that happened, I joined the downtown board uh, and kind of really had a lot of fun helping out and getting involved in the community. So, took a seat on the exec team. And then last year, in 2020, I was the president of the downtown Menominee board. It was a Great year to be president. So many fun decisions and uh, everything getting canceled. But now I'm the past president, so I just kind of get to hang out and it's help best, out. It's the best place to be. It is. It's a great gig. I just get to fill in on podcasts and uh, throw out my opinion, but I don't have any actual responsibility. I like it. That's the best. That's the best time. It must be great to in, in real life to be the past president, like be like Bill Clinton, you know, just hanging out. Be like, yeah, I was. That's good. Yeah, you still get all the same perks and benefits and. Don't have to make any decisions. I know it's awesome. Um, and then I don't know if you stated too that you own a salon, a Stilo salon in Eau Claire as well. Yes, we also have a Stilo salon in Eau Claire. And then uh, now my wife just got into microblading or eyebrow tattooing, so we have an eyebrow studio uh, over in the same building um, behind Acoustic Cafe. So yeah. yeah. So yes, as you can hear, Jeff very invested in downtown, but he is not our man of the hour today. We are very happy to be joined by Menominee's Chief of Police, Eric Atkinson. Welcome to welcome to the show. Uh, well, thank you for having me. And uh, I don't know about the man of the hour, <laughs> but uh, but I'm certainly happy to be here. So yeah. thank you for inviting me. Yeah, and we keep conversations pretty light here um, on this. We just want people to get to know you. I think everybody in town, um, especially in Menominee, um, they all know they all know Chief Eric Atkinson. But uh, I guess people may not know you beyond the, the whole, you know, badge and um, official titles and stuff. So I guess we have to do the, the typical question, where, where did you start your early life and how did you get to Menominee? Well, uh, thank you for asking. I'm originally from Milwaukee and my family moved to the western side of Wisconsin. Uh, when I was very, very young, we moved to uh, Roberts, Wisconsin, or just outside of that town. But uh, after a few short years of living there, my family moved to Hudson. And then I grew up in Hudson, Wisconsin, graduated from high school there, went on to college at University of Wisconsin River Falls, and pretty much stayed in this area. Started my career over in St. Paul, Minnesota, working as a private investigator for a couple of years, and then uh, transitioned into law enforcement. After that time, worked for a few small departments on the west side of the state. Uh, spent most of my career at the Hudson Police Department and then came here for to be the Menominee Chief and been doing that for nearly nine years. That's interesting. That So you started as a private investigator because I guess maybe I'm wrong, but I kind of would think of more of private investigating would be something that retired law enforcement officers <laughs> would go into rather than starting in that field and then transitioning. Is that something, Is am I correct that that's more kind of backwards as far as how most people would go or is that a common... 
It, it is very yeah. uncommon. It's an uncommon path for someone to start in the private investigations. Typically, they're uh, retired law enforcement that will go into private investigations. And we did a lot of work with law enforcement in Minnesota with the Hennepin County Drug Task Force and uh, the St. Paul Police Department. And uh, what I thought was kind of unusual is many of the officers or detectives I worked with, when, when they'd meet me, I was 22, 23 years old. So they're saying, hey, how do I get into this thing? I want to retire here in a couple of years. And how'd you do this? And uh, <laughs> I, I I just kind of fell into it because I wasn't quite sure if uh, if I wanted to do law enforcement yet when I was graduating college because I originally went to school to be an actuary and uh, transitioned over into uh, uh, minoring in criminal justice and majoring in sociology. So when I when I got into or when I graduated more aptly, I, I wasn't quite sure yet if if policing was what I wanted to wanted to do. And when I saw an ad in the paper, it was a company uh, called uh, Midwest Security Investigative Services. They were looking for someone to work undercover uh, in a company to look for people who were embezzling money or using drugs. And I thought, well, that sounds interesting enough. So. I got hired by the company. That's quite the newspaper ad, by right? Can yeah. I just throw that out I there? Like yeah, that's yeah. In the paper. <laughs> that is an amazing like, job. Ad. Go undercover. Oh, yeah, go undercover. I'm, I'm looking for that job right now. It sounds fun. Well, I immediately saw it. I thought, oh, I gotta, I gotta do this. So it, it, it was fun. I got got a chance. Got hired. Uh, I got my first taste of what it's like to work in the private sector because the day after I was hired, the company got uh, bought by another company, was sold, so immediately went into a transition. So you got to see how how a, a company will switch to a new corporation, and it was uh, then became a company called Vance International, which was based out of Oakton, Virginia, and that was owned by a retired Secret Service agent. And so anyway, it, it was a good gig. I ended up working inside of a uh, company for six months. So I was, it, it was real fun. I ended up getting paid both by the company that I was in, but because I had to pose as an employee as another one, I also was compensated for doing the work in the other company. That's, a That's good not a bad deal. Yeah. That's not a bad deal. I, I didn't mind it. <laughs> and so it, it, it was a lot of fun. And we ended up uh, finding people who were dealing drugs, stealing money, and that's how I got to start to work with uh, detectives from those uh, counties and local jurisdictions. And, and that just renewed my interest that, you know, I think this is something that I, that I want to do as far as moving into law enforcement. Because the private investigations work, after I transitioned out of the, uh, the undercover stuff, was doing more traditional stuff. Background investigations for people, uh, investigating other kinds of fraud. And it was fun. But the problem was is you can only help people that pay you. And so there were plenty of times where we had to turn people away because they couldn't afford our fees. And uh, law enforcement, we don't charge other than it comes out of the good old Uncle Sam's tax dollar. But we get to help people regardless of what, whether they have money or not. Yeah, and I suppose that at 22 or 23, that was a good bullet point on a resume when you did then transition into law enforcement. It, it, it certainly was, because when I would go interview the chiefs and the other command staff were, how, how did you do that, and how do I get into that? So it <laughs> <Right>. was, <laughs> I, I don't know if they liked me or just my connections to get into that kind of work. And then you had mentioned the other departments uh, in Wisconsin. How, how many years have you been in law enforcement total now? 23 years. 23 years. So you have... 
23 years of probably some really good stories. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. Ha- I do have some interesting stories. Some are some are funny. Some are are quite sad. But uh, definitely a lot of adventures uh, that I've had to experience. Met a lot of great people. Had a chance to help some folks, and uh, hopefully improve some of their situations. But yeah, there's a lot of good stories. And you spent some time. How long were you in Hudson for? I was in Hudson for 12 years. Okay. Well, what fun stories do you have out of Hudson? We have to ask if you have funny stories. Do you have any you can actually share on here? Well, most of my the the funny stories I have I have what I would consider funny stories, and, <laughs> I, and I tend not to share the ones that are necessarily about other folks or right, at their expense. So, uh, I can share some stories some about of humility, you? Or, yeah, that 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 required me to be a bit humble, or because they were embarrassing at the time. I. One of them that I can certainly think of, I, I had pulled somebody over on uh, Highway 35 just off of I-94. They were they were traveling towards uh, River Falls, and they were speeding. And it was January or February at the time. It was cold. It was snowy. It was icy. So I get up to the car, introduce myself, and get their license and all the normal stuff uh, a traffic cop would do. And so anyway, I go back, and my plan was to to write the person a ticket because they they weren't going well. What I say, like a couple miles an hour over the limit. They were going about fifteen miles an hour over. So they they were they were going to be getting a, a ticket versus a warning. So I'd written out this ticket. This is before we had computers and all this other stuff and cars where it made it pretty efficient. So I'm writing this out, and I start uh, walking up to the car. And because it was on a uh, divided highway, I'm walking on the passenger side of the vehicle. So I'm close to, like, the ditch, and it's a, it's a significant-sized gore. It's, it's deep down. It was very icy, and it was very snowy. And so, needless to say, I slipped, fell down, and slid about 15 feet down into the ditch. 15 feet? Yep. And, nice. I'm, and I'm sure I made a noise because I had the wind knocked out of me. <laughs> and so there I am. And by the way, for for uniform, I had a uh, probably will be most uh, referred to as kind of like an army or commando type sweater. Uh, you'll see some uh, soldiers will wear those. Army green is a little blue. We had dark navy blue. We called them sergeant major sweaters. So I had a sergeant major sweater on then. <laughs> And, uh, and because of the snow and the sweater uh, attracts snow, so I, I look like a giant snowball sitting down in the ditch, and I hear the car door open, and there's the guy and uh, the driver. He looks at me, he goes, hey, are, are you okay? And I, I said, I'm doing fine, because <laughs> I, I couldn't breathe. And, and he goes, hey, is that, is that a ticket in your hand? And I said, <laughs> and I said yeah, but you, you could forget about it. I'll be okay right here. <laughs> Just give me a minute. <laughs> yeah. He says, are you sure? And I go, yeah, it's it's all good. <laughs> you, almost you, don't even, you almost didn't want to face the guy. You're like, right. Just I, ignore me. Yes, it, it, was, it was very embarrassing. So <laughs> uh, he ended up getting in the car, and I pulled myself up. and He didn't come down and help you up? He just... Stared I just told him to go. I just, well, I just, away, yeah, just he, left the officer in the ditch. He, he did. I just said, go. And I know we're on a podcast. You can't see it. But I'm waving my hand. You can go. I just want to sit here in my own shame and, and embarrassment. So that, that was one. Uh, I, I have a, a similar one, too, which was, which was pretty embarrassing. There was a uh, 
there's a fellow who was having uh, chest pain, thought he was having a heart attack. So we get a call to, to go assist. And uh, anyway, I was very new and I wasn't quite familiar with where where this place was. So I pull up alongside the road and to this townhome, you know, our series of townhomes. And there's a parking lot that you have to get access to further down the road, but I wanted to be able to get to this place that much quicker in case he needed uh, chest compressions or something along those lines. What I didn't know was is to get down in the parking lot, there's actually a significantly large retaining wall. And because it had snowed so much, the plows in the parking lot had pushed up the snow to the retaining wall. So it just looked like a, a, like a hill you could walk down. And so the other person I was with was also brand new, not, not from the area, because this, this was in a different city. So I go to get out of the car. He's following behind me. Well, what I didn't know is as soon as I made one step, I stepped off of this 10-foot retaining wall and dumped into a giant snowbank. <laughs> and so here I am. I'm covered in snow. Uh, I, f- I fell over my back. Again, I knocked the wind out of myself. This seems like a common theme in my career. And, and the other guy goes, hey, I'm going to go around. So he, he gets back in his car. He drives around. I pick myself up. I knock on this door, and I am just covered in snow. And the man's wife opens the door, and she says, oh, he's, he's down downstairs. So I, I go downstairs. I'm still catching my breath, and I'm still covered in snow. And he looks at me. He's kind of sitting up, and they're sending the abominable snowman <laughs> to help me. And I... <laughs> You couldn't help but laugh. It was kind of funny because it, it was a pathetic scene. This poor guy was not feeling well. I have quite I the vision in. in my head right <laughs> yeah. now of you on this, in front of this door, just completely white, covered it, in snow. It, it was more than embarrassing, but there were a couple funny ones like that. Uh, it's, they're interesting. Well, and so now with your position as the chief, you're doing a lot more administrative stuff rather than falling down on uh, – <laughs> Traffic yeah, stops you fall these down days. as you much s- now? I, I, I've only fallen down once here. Okay, okay. that's good. So, well, we can take that. We, we, we can do that one. But, yes, I do mainly uh, – it's administrative work. So it's it's probably not as exciting as what people think. It's generally uh, managing the department budget, uh, writing policies, applying for grants, uh, meeting with community members to try to determine – what are the best uh, ways or how people want to be policed in the community? And there's a lot of different interests, so there's a lot of different thoughts to take into consideration as we craft our policies and then our goals for each year and, and address different kinds of uh, crime and disorder that may take place. So it's a lot different. I never thought of that concept of how people want to be policed. Yeah, well, it's it's really – it's. Uh, I think as as time has progressed, originally the the mission of law enforcement was is is to the public is the police and the police are the public. So if you go if you're a fan of history, you can look at the London Metropolitan Police Act where Robert Peel had uh, issued these Peelian principles. He believed law enforcement needed to be professionalized because prior to that it was mainly neighborhoods would police themselves, but it created vigilante justice and other kinds of problems. And so he, he felt that in order for police to be professional and serve the public, they get their power and authority through the consent of the people. And therefore, the people have to share in the authority and share in the problem solving to determine how each community wants to be policed. 
So that that's where that concept comes in, and I still feel that holds true to today. I think in America, and, and this is part of some of our issues I think we have, is that we've gotten more used to just, all right, we're letting the police decide how to do the business and how to react. And that and sometimes it's had good good impact, but sometimes that also has had negative impact on communities because some of our policing strategies that have been developed over time have not been adjusted to changing needs in society or, or addressing things that, that are frankly not getting equitable outcomes. So it I think it's important to be able to meet with people and determine how is it that you want your police to to police the community based upon the laws that exist in the United States as well as uh, Wisconsin and then of course locally here in the city of Menominee. Well and I think that's something that our audience is what I'm assuming would be very interested about is how that exact conversation that you just had is how these policies are actually created and how the decisions of how they are being policed and how they have the ability to influence you I guess and I don't know, Dustin and I see you all the time at a lot of different community events and stuff like that. And I think that it's very, very cool that you're out in the community talking to people and figuring out what it is that Menominee needs from our law enforcement. Well, I, thank you. I appreciate it. That That's part of the reason why you will see me out, out and about in the community is not just like on an, enfor an enforcement piece or just as the chief, but being able to meet with people to determine what what's important to you what what do you value here what what do you want to see and and above all else i'm i'm still a public servant so i serve the public the public are my customers uh sometimes i have to make decisions that the customers don't like uh or the public doesn't like usually in the form of an arrest or or a citation but the fact of the matter is that that's only really a small portion of what the job is. It needs to be service focused. It needs to uh, be determined upon what people need here in the community. What are, what are the real issues? What are, what are causing social problems inside of a, a community? How can law enforcement help with that or, or help craft uh, solutions? And then in turn too, with, with them sharing their concerns that they have, that also will craft our policies for it, whether it's it's something as simple as how do we respond to a barking dog, all the way to how we would utilize force against somebody who is resisting arrest. So when you're in your office crafting policy and making all these hard decisions, are there times where you miss, I guess, the for lack of a better word, the action of being out on patrol <laughs> or around, walking the, the beat, car, I guess they would around. say? I 100% agree, I, I do. I, don't get me wrong. I love my role, and, and I and I sought it out very intentionally to uh, to become a policymaker for a law enforcement agency. Uh, that was a decision of, of something I had wanted to work towards very early on in my career. After working for several years, I thought that is really something that I want to do. Uh, as far as missing the the more traditional type police work, whether it's walking the beat, uh, driving a patrol car, responding to calls to service, or investigating uh, crime, absolutely, I I truly do miss that part. Uh, I, I'm a people person. Uh, if you've ever met me, I'm I'm pretty social, and uh, so I, I like to meet people, and and I and I get a lot of satisfaction out of trying to help someone. And, uh, and you get that opportunity when you're a patrol officer. You get that opportunity when you're a detective. Uh, and each role is a little bit different. But it feels really good when you can help a, a victim or a witness or just someone help overcome some sort of problem they might be having. 
they they don't call you when they're having a good day it's it's usually they're experiencing something fairly awful and otherwise they wouldn't call you because people generally just don't want to call the police unless they have to and i feel like that's something a lot of people miss is that a lot of what in your career path law enforcement officers tend to see the worst sides of every scenario because you're called when things go wrong not when everything is going well they call you when they need help to fix a problem absolutely so most people by the way are very good people they're well-intentioned and they have good hearts uh, sometimes they just make make some mistakes or they might make some mistakes that that cause problems for themselves or they might be impacted by someone else's poor decisions and if you keep that in mind that most people are good that you can you can get through a career and come out the other side still intact and, and loving people and uh, you just have to bear in mind that even though uh, you're getting called when people called when people are having a horrible day their emotions are high and they're they're hurt maybe physically emotionally mentally uh, to not take those things personally and to know that uh, they just need your assistance if you if you can do those things it's it's much easier easy excuse me it's easier to avoid becoming cynical or or jaded i'm just gonna randomly change the topic but i want to go back to something we said earlier um so this is looping way back so it's been 23 years and i thought it was interesting the technology stuff how how has it been seeing the technology change in police work like for the last 20 i mean we all know that the world has changed technologically in the last 20 years last so two what, years two years, years i know we were jeff and i were just having this discussion discussion <laughs> yes. you know yes you know yesterday I, or two days ago we were discussing just like how every year you know phones and all the stuff changes all the time but especially when it comes to like you know police work and stuff from you know all the cameras and all the equipment and all the tech and probably even the vehicles in the last 20 years or oh. i know it's a really big question but like what's something that comes to mind or something that i don't know I don't know, it just kind of crossed my mind. If you would have taken the yourself 23 years ago, could you have imagined what police work would be yeah, today? There you I go. guess that's, that's the, a good way to frame it, yeah. Absolutely not. It is, it is so much different. For a lot, for, in a lot of cases, so much better. Uh, in some cases, not. I, I would think that it's had its drawbacks. And, uh, but, but I would say the job now, not just with society's challenges, but just because of what people need to know technology-wise, it is so much more difficult for newer people to start. So, for example, first department I worked for, you get your keys, you're, you, they put you in a squad car. All that's in the squad car was was a radio. You had a maybe you had you had a shotgun in there if, if for whatever reason you needed it, and in the trunk of the car, you maybe had some some flares. And, and that's about it, and a first aid kit. Now, if you're taking a look at a police car, it is truly a moving office. It's got a, a computer in it that you can run everybody's driver's license, criminal history. You can get on the Internet to search and do investigations in the car if you need to. They have squad cameras that are in there, so they're recording uh, the activities of, of the police and the patrol car, the, the trunks will have varieties of less lethal options. So we don't have to resort to deadly force uh, in this community as often as we would if we would have, if we would have took when I started in 1998 into here, 
We've had a variety of incidences that probably would have resulted in a shooting, but because we have greater technology, uh, not just electronics, but just uh, the equipment-wise, right. and the cars are filled with all kinds of uh, gadgets to try to help someone in a crisis, and it's it, it's it's really quite amazing. I, I have to hand it to anybody who might be 22, 23, or regardless of age if they're transitioning into the career as to how much they need to know all the things that they need to know how to operate and access, it, I think it would be overwhelming. Yeah, I'd imagine the training today is a lot more extensive and it's a whole different skill set than it would have been with now the requirement of being somewhat tech savvy to understand how to utilize all that equipment. Yeah, I was going to say that has to be even part of the training now, right? Absolutely. Learn the tech. Absolutely. With, with our records management systems, there are, there are hardly any written anything anymore. It's all it's all done through computers and knowing how to access uh, different forms, statutes, uh, referencing ordinances. It, everything is all revolving around the technology, which, which has had a lot of positive impact and made our job, I would say, more efficient in process wise. I think some of the drawbacks are those because when we get so over reliant on some of that technology, we've lost some of those interpersonal skills too that, that take place. Yeah, that's interesting. Right. So one last, like before we run out of time here, I think that another thing that our audience is really curious and interested about is who is Eric Atkinson when the uniform comes off. I know you live here. You're a family man. I see your family at the salon. Mm -hmm. I mean, your hair is a little short. I don't think you get your hair cut at the salon. (laughs) You do not. (laughs) What what do you, now that you live in Menominee, moved here, what kind of stuff does Eric do when he's not in uniform? Well, uh, I like to to golf. Uh, I used to be a very, very avid golfer. Uh, Work and family has has put some uh, crimp onto the old handicap, but I still get out with uh, with the friends and the kids from time to time. I like to coach uh, baseball, basketball. I'm on the Menominee Hoops Club board, so I like volunteering for that organization. Uh, I, li- I like to just get out and, and meet folks. I like going to different uh, restaurants, love movies. The pandemic, by the way, was very challenging for all of that because uh, as a social guy and likes to do things with his family that involve going out to places it it was tough but uh those are just a handful of things i like to do i I love to read too i'm I'm a voracious reader so i are you a fiction nonfiction, or kind of anything i i like i like anything so if it's uh if it's going to be uh uh, non-fiction work i like uh reading uh like leadership books um how to improve oneself. I like autobiographies and biographies. If I'm going to be reading uh, fiction, I tend to gear towards science fiction. So I, I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. So George R. R. Martin, I read most of his books. Neil Gaiman, who used to live here in Menominee, for those of you who don't know, I've read most of his books. Uh, just I love if you like uh, trying to remember that sci-fi, now I can't even think of it. I'm going to start reading those, but it's a well, I can't, I can't remember what the, what the darn name is. I watch so much shows on Netflix and stuff because of uh, the pandemic. I can't even recall it. Is it The Expanse? Yes, thank you. That's I what it is. I the first book. I watched the whole series. The oh, series I love was amazing. It. And yes. I just uh, 
I have the first book sitting on my nightstand because I also want to start reading that. That that is exactly what it is. My wife has read through several of those books already and says it's it's just as good as the series, if not better. And so I'm going to dive amazing. into that. Yeah. It, it is. It's it's a very cool show. I love it. That's interesting. Who would have thought? Chief of Police reading The Expanse and Game of Thrones. Did you watch it? Well, that means you watched the show. Or you watched Game of Thrones, right? Should I've watched we, all the Game have, of Thrones. We have to discuss this. I mean, if we're going to get into Game of Thrones for a minute or two, I'm we should. I'm a jealous of Dustin right now because Dustin's wife has never seen Game of Thrones. <gasps> so he never. just recently started back at episode one. Yeah, it's awesome. And I was saying how I wish I had an excuse or I almost wish I could just start fresh and yep. rewatch it and it go is, through that emotional roller coaster it, again. It is oh, awesome. My is wife was so an great. anti, you know, my wife doesn't like the, con, you know, one of them people that doesn't like the concept of Game of Thrones. And, you know, we did that thing where everybody does. You sit there, scroll through HBO Max and Netflix, nothing to watch. And I looked right at her. I'm like, if you don't give me a choice, it's going to be Game of Thrones and we're going to do it. I love and she it. looked at me and she went, let's do it. And I went, oh man, here it comes. It's great. And we're four episodes in right now. And the other night we sat down. I was like, well, what should we watch? She goes, well, might as well keep watching Game of Thrones. I'm like, yeah. She's hooked. She's hooked. So, yep. and I'm, she isn't, and again, it's that first season. So she's not fully hooked yet, but we all know what's coming. And it, it'll, it'll happen. It'll happen. It, but it's it's great to see it through the eyes of somebody else, oh, you know, yeah. and just, and you almost like get that feeling back again yourself. Like as I'm That's watching amazing. it, I'm like, oh, I remember. I remember being. I remember seeing this. I remember feeling this. You know what's about to happen. Yeah, you get you're, to watch you're, her when she does <laughs> it. Yeah. And the other great it's part just about nothing it, but awful happening. The other right. great part about it is, is you understand it. You know, like I, I, I've watched all the way through once fully, and then like randomly, I've checked out episodes. You know, we all know like the good episodes that we I've like rewatched, and I've, so I've never like full. And then like you hear what they're talking about, you're like, oh man, this is they have foreshadowed so much that you oh, would yes. have no you would never remember yes the first time you watch it especially if then you're watching you know one episode of a week and then it takes a year off and then your brain has to try to remember what you just watched which you never did oh but yeah, yeah. it's it's interesting so where was your uh, what was your grade on the final uh, season were you one of the people that let it go and just went with it you know i it's too hard to hate. So, <laughs> yeah, I, so I, I, I was disappointed in the last season because I personally I felt they, they rushed through it to try to close close off some loose ends. Uh, I wish they would have done it maybe over like one more season where they could have. Um, I, well, I don't want to give it up if anybody know, out right? there has not know. watched oh, well, it. They Martha might it. be listening. That's right, exactly. She doesn't want to listen to me every day. This is the last thing she wants to I, listen yeah, to. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to ruin it. I, I just felt that they could have played out the characters a little bit more. I didn't dislike the last season. I just felt that it didn't do the other seasons justice. And I would uh, agree. Well, and it was just, it's Game of Thrones, too. You almost could have, you know, since the books aren't, you know, com- completed yet. Right. You could have just left. You know, I think the audience would have overall been okay with it. You could have just left things open. You I think so, too. You to conclude every story. Sure, some conclusions necessary. Mm-hmm. But that was my thought. I'm like, you know, if, 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 you know, character X just doesn't, that whatever scene they're in is the last scene you see them. That's fine. You keep it open like, oh, who knows what's. Because you don't know what's leave next, it to the viewer's know? imagination, right? Because I, I mean, as of currently, uh, the, the the next two books, I don't know if they're coming. So wherever the books I are, might know. be where they're going to be, and you're never going to get that conclusion, you know. Well, and my thought on the last season is, yeah, there are some people that were annoyed, but one thing from an artist standpoint, if you create a piece of art, which is that series, absolutely, any artist if they create something, if somebody doesn't hate it, 
odds are it's not very good artwork. That's true. That's Somebody right. has true. to hate it in order for it to be good. So. I, I would agree with that. You can't you can't please everybody, and it is art. None, nonetheless, I would argue that it is definitely art. So I, a huge Game of Thrones fan. Very cool. Um, by the way, if you haven't ever read like the King Killer uh, series, uh, uh, the Name of the Wind uh, is a is the first book. That's a good good series too, and it's supposed to be a trilogy. It's taken twelve years for the author to write the third one, which. I'm not confident it's going to happen. <laughs> it's kind of like the Game of Thrones thing, so too. Eradicating, we read this, like, yeah. be prepared well, to. Well, that's because th- there's company and suffering. So you read the two books and love them, and then uh, then you're waiting for the third with me, and we can all commiserate. Right, right. Well, well, this has been yeah, very gonna... interesting to know how much you're into reading because I know, Dustin, maybe you guys need to do a spinoff and start a separate podcast just about all, like, all your own little book club. We do. I, like <laughs> I think it'd be a good yep, one. I do it. Book club. So we do it each podcast with two questions, same two. So I'll ask Becca's for her since she's not here. Uh, hers is, uh, what is either A, your favorite food to eat or make, or what's the best thing you've eaten recently? Since we've learned that maybe not everybody knows their favorite food. So we always have to give an out. Did you eat at Rally in the Alley last night? I did eat at Rally. Ooh, well, yeah. no, I did not. I did not eat at Rally. I was oh. going to eat at Rally in the Alley, and I ended up going home and and eating after that was done. Yeah. So I did not. I did not get to try Chef Stacy's uh, stuff that was there. It was unfortunate. Was it good? I had. Good. I got to give me make a sampler platter of all three sandwiches. So I had a little oh, bite of everything. Yes. Well, we now, had a local eatery stacked at an event last night that Chief happened to attend, and they do very good food. They, Chief they, plug. They, they do do good food, and I have ate at the stacked eatery, and it's good stuff. So now we know the Chief doesn't always make good decisions, <laughs> and I did not make a good one then last night by not eating. Uh, as far as, like, probably the my favorite food to make is uh, is Cajun food. I like to make Cajun, Cajun food. food. I love cooking, by the way, too. That is... And it could be just about anything. It's not any one particular thing. I would say probably the best dish I had uh, of recent, and I don't know if this really qualifies as recent because it was just kind of prior to the pandemic stuff, was at was a, a alligator putanesca that was at the uh, the Stella Blues over in Eau Claire. Yeah, yeah Stella Blues is a great place. It is a very good place. I'm, I'm a big fan of Johnny's Italian Steakhouse, too. Oh, yeah, it's another good very one. very good, yes. All places I haven't eaten since before the pandemic. Oh, I I've know. yet to get back up there since. Again, the, the pandemic. Just, <laughs> I, I hope we're done with that. <laughs> and then one more last question, mm-hmm. which is mine. It's Since you said earlier, movie guy, it's what's your favorite movie? You know, that's that's hard to uh, narrow down. So I, I always I just say, what's movies? the first thing that just... There's always one that just will pop into your head. Oh, Field of Dreams. Is that would it? Be, would be, Field of Dreams would be my movie. Would be my probably my number one favorite one. That's yeah. fitting but since like Dustin so is wearing his Menominee Blue Caps baseball right. shirt that's right now. That's for sure. Yes, I love playing baseball. We played, played at the Field of Dreams one year. college, yeah. Yeah, I had a lot of fun playing against the Blue Caps yeah. uh, a few years ago for a charity game. Yeah. Well, Field Dreams, good choice. Yeah, Underrated Ray Liotta performance. Since didn't Goodfellas was not they like a year after or something like yes, that? Yes, that's so what everybody that's, remembers. Everybody it remembers it for, but people forget how good Ray Liotta was. He was a shoeless Joe. Yeah. Well, that was great. Thank it you, was. Chief. We Thank appreciate you. you after coming on. That was a great conversation. And um, you know, we'll definitely probably maybe have you back on I'd sometime in the to. future. We can always chit chat. Sounds like it. 
Yeah, keep these things going. I'll bring I'll bring some stories next time. All right, we'll be we'll be ready for it. Next Hopefully, time. they won't embarrass me as much as these two. <laughs> <laughs> Just more falling down stories. Well, there are those. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, thanks, Jeff, for helping me co-host this uh, this podcast, and uh, um, we'll uh, see everybody on two more weeks for a new episode. Yeah, thank you. Glad to be here. This was fun. Thank you. <laughs>